everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. Today, we're revisiting training minimalism. I wanted to thank everybody from Abbreviated Training Facebook group and from our Facebook and Instagram pages uh, for submitting some questions that we'll be discussing today. You know, one of the reasons we wanted to discuss this today is because um, we see so much confusion out there about training regarding what works, what doesn't. Uh, many coaches and trainers have their own opinion, which makes it so complicated and convoluted, leaving most people questioning how to really reach their size and, and strength goals. Keep in mind the exact techniques and tactics that we discuss have been utilized by world champion athletes and world record holders. They're not our opinions, our smelly little orthodoxies, as Marty always says, or settled mm. science. They're proven and have been producing some of the strongest, most muscular athletes on the planet uh, for many years, actually. So, <clears throat> Marty, I wanted to kind of rewind a little bit. Um, you've been lifting since the early 60s. Indeed. Uh, you witnessed firsthand the evolution from volume training to training minimalism. Um, explain the old belief that a muscle had to be trained every so many hours or it would atrophy and how and why you guys transitioned from training each lift three times a week to two to eventually one. Yeah, settled science, right? Every, yeah. every, every decade has their settled science. Can't challenge that, can't even question it. Everybody knows that's settled. That no, 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 no. So back in, back when I first came up, it was settled science that unless a muscle was trained every thirty six hours, it would degrade. It would go backwards. It would unravel. Now that's a hell of a thing, right? I mean, you know, you know what I mean. So that that's that's what we started with, and then because of that, no one was doing split routines, so everyone was training the entire body. Mm -hmm. three times a week mm -hmm. well that takes a lot of time well, even sorry. you know and, and and we weren't doing multiple sets no one did multiple sets. well i mean that's not true they did do multiple sets but Work but yeah. yeah if you're working through because back then we would well what would we do we we'd overhead press we'd snatch we'd clean and jerk we'd power clean we'd squat we'd front squat what else we'd bench we'd press behind the neck we'd dip we'd curl right we did you know and and so that's a lot of stuff to work through and now you have to do it three times a week right that's a killer oh yeah and particularly as you got strong but i i, I tell you it was a great conditioner right we I don't know. I did that. I trained like that for, um, let me see, 11 to uh, probably 17. So yeah. it's like six years of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a good, uh, if you don't know any better and you do it with real um, application, it's a hardener for sure. Yeah. I don't have any problem with a beginner or even going into an intermediate uh, stage doing that. You know, but when you get to, when you're, when you're start, start squatting over 500 and you start, oh over, I mean, you just, the recovery yeah. is just not there and, and your lifts start to suffer, mm. you know, like if you're squatting first, then you got a deadlift heavy, 
yeah. you know, your deadlift's really going to suffer. Yeah, you, at that point, flop. well, like you mm. said, Jim, you get up to the, the big poundage. That at that point, you got to consider your central nervous system and getting that to recover. And you can't do it yeah. if you're doing, you know, three times a week. But I think the three times a week for a beginner, Marty was saying he did from uh, the age of 11 to 17, you know, you're young, you have the energy, you have the time. Uh, and I think it's a quick way to kind of perfect your, your form because uh, you're getting so much practice and so much lifting. Uh, so, yeah, maybe that's not a bad thing. And you're not you're not really handling the heavy, the poundage. Now, Marty, were you squatting? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did you, did you do like a squat and then a front squat on Wednesday and then a back squat? No, on no, 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 no. We weren't that sophisticated, Jim. Okay, okay. We just did the same the same damn routine uh, three times a week. Yeah, you know, and and you do the whole you do the whole shopping list, and it would take us, and you know, two and a half hours probably, yeah. two hours certainly, yeah. to work through everything. Uh, now I will tell you this: we also uh, part of it was we we were all athletes. We played every sport, whatever the season was. We played that sport. We we ran our legs off. We jumped. We left we, we did team sports we did individual sports and we ate we stuffed our faces we purposely ate everything in sight yeah you were not from doing that well I, that i'm your uh i it put me into premature uh, puberty really oh yeah made, made me um perk up yeah. Very early. And, uh, you know, I was uh, shot through with the testosterone all through my my teenage years. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a testosterone amplifier, no doubt about it. Marty, Marty was the guy that uh, everybody went to to buy him beer on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> he had yeah. the full on beard at like, you know, 14. Did I used to go to Powder Mill Liquors. <laughs> I started I mean, Marty loves this shit. <laughs> stuff and I was 16. Started at 16, never got carded powder mill liquors. Never got yeah, carded. Well, can, oh, God, you know those old guys. I can I can trump that, but we won't yeah, go there. Let's counter. stick. Come on, let's stick to what we're doing here. The guy behind the, wait, I got it. The guy behind the counter would have the navy old faded tattoo on his forearm, right? Yeah. Like the sailor tattoo. And he'd be like, What's up, buddy? I said, I'd be like 12 pack of Schlitz and for <laughs> Natty Bo, right? No problem. Didn't even look up. He wouldn't even look up. And I'd get back in the car and everybody would go, yeah, steel, yeah. <laughs> and we'd crack them on our heads and throw them out the window. Anyway, all right. What what is today? What is today's subject? I forget. Revisiting training minimalism. I will tell you one one training that I did in an advanced stage, one one uh, workout. I did Strassen's. So Randy Strassen, the, the publisher of Iron Mind, that used to be really popular with all of us. And uh uh, I did the three day a week, one set of 20 squats. And that was probably, you know, that was after I was done competing in powerlifting, I was doing some bodybuilding stuff, but the good thing was you did that one set of 20 and then you did the whole body, but you only did one set of everything. So you would do behind and next for one set of 10, you would do curls, one set of 10, you do whatever. And then you do it again on Wednesday and then you do on Friday. Now he wanted you to go up five pounds a week every time on a squat. Well, I wasn't able to do that. So I would try to go, um, you know, every workout. So I would try to go up the next week, you know yeah, what I mean? But, but 
But you know what the value you, you know what the value of that was is it was so crazy it created huge contrast to whatever you were doing it didn't matter. Right. You, yeah. No, I totally agree. Totally mm -hmm. agree. And it it uh, induced some growth because I've been doing fives and fours and sixes and all that for a long yeah. time and and you know sitting around between sets and that that was what it called for trying to get stronger. What's the opposite? What 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 would be the polar opposite of what you were doing? You couldn't have described anything more opposite of what you had been doing than yeah. Ran than Randy's crazy one shocking set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good though. It was uh, another it was valid another valid arrow in the quiver. Right. And I did it for probably a month and then I switched back to some other stuff, but it was, uh, yeah. it was like a shot, you know, it gave me a shot of uh, a boost. Exactly. Hypertrophy. Yeah. Exactly. Contrast. Marty, Marty, when, uh, I think when this transition was happening from, uh, volume to a more minimal approach, you were, uh, training with Cassidy, right? Hugh Cassidy. Yeah, I was, I was there for all three, all three breaks. First, uh, the, the big change came in 19, I can't remember if it was 64 or 65 when powerlifting was officially made into a sport by the AAU. And that changed everything because all of a sudden, let's say it was 1965, they started establishing national championships and we used to have something called the Junior Nationals, which is a great, great idea. The Junior Nationals was open to anyone who had not placed first, second or third at a Senior Nationals. Right. So the juniors were heavily contested, heavily contested. Um, so all of a sudden with the formulization of powerlifting, guys like Cassidy, who had, you either came from Olympic lifting or you came from bodybuilding, right, into powerlifting. So Hugh had actually done both. He'd been a fair Olympic lifter. He'd been a, a good bodybuilder. And in both cases, they had been training three times a week. So as you both JP and Steele pointed out, when you get up into the 500s and you start getting to the 600s, three times a week, it just becomes impossible, right? Yeah. So it, it and, and that was considered revolutionary. At the time it was like, well, they can't do that. Uh, they're, they'll never, they'll, you know, they'll never get anywhere, right? And in fact, the mind started getting changed when the asses started getting beat. Mm -hmm. And, and then in the eighties, I saw the second change where the guys got even stronger and the twice a week got reduced to once a week by Doug Furness and Eddie Cohn, myself, uh, Chalet was way ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, you, you know, you know what I mean? So again, reality kind of shaped the frequency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine deadlifting almost 900 like Chalet and then having on a Monday and then doing it on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. I mean, your body just can't handle it. The workload and the tonnage and, and recover in time, no matter how much you eat, no matter how much you rest, no matter how many supplements you take. Well, plus you've also got to deal with with squatting that same week in exactly. the 800s and the 900s. And again, the way that we squat and deadlift uses a lot of the same muscles. Uh, you know, when you, you use your glutes, when you squat and deadlift, you use your erectors, you use your abs, you use your what, upper thighs, Jim, you use your lats, you use so many so many of the same muscles that if you're pounding it on Monday with heavy, heavy squatting, 
you know, hopefully you'll be recovered enough to have a good pool session on Thursday. Right. Marty, have you seen anybody as, um, well, we often say that Mark Chalet was like, it, it didn't get any more minimalistic than that. If you did any less than Mark Chalet did, you, you couldn't train because describe what he was doing. Describe a little bit about him, what mm -hmm. kind of a world champion he was and what he did to get, because a lot of people I see on uh, some of these comments and stuff, they just don't get this minimalistic stuff. They don't believe in it. They don't think they don't it's think enough. It, they, well, they think it's impossible. But give this example. I mean, well, Mark Chalet pretty, yeah, they, yeah, Mark, Mark was great. Mark was great. Mark staked out the extreme, uh, the extreme of ultra minimalism, and he would work up to a single rep in the squat and the bench press on Monday. He'd work up to a single rep in the deadlift on Thursday. That was it. He didn't do any back offsets. He didn't do any assistance work. He didn't do any, I don't know, whatever tricep work. He didn't, you know. Occasionally, I'd see him do a stiff leg deadlift off a block, but that was usually to just kind of uh, yeah. ex exhibit his prowess, you know, because he could pull, but, pull like 840 standing on 100. But right. three sets a week, three total sets to fail. Well, well no, well, no, wait. Not but, counting I mean, his warm-ups. Well, yeah, he did his warm-ups, and then he'd do a single. Right. And at the beginning of the cycle, he would usually start off um, a little bit out of shape, a little bit undersized, actually. And then as the cycle began, he each week, we just would add, I can't remember, I think it was uh, 20 in the squat, 20 in the squat, 15 in the dead, and 10 in the bench. I think that's what we did. 20 pounds a week we added in the squat, 15 pounds a week in the deadlift, uh, 10 pounds a week in the bench press. So you would back up with whatever, we'd figure out what we wanted to hit. Right. Mm -hmm. And whether it was, you know, the nationals or the worlds, and then you, you know, you reverse engineer, you work backwards and that gives you what you need to jump in with. Right. But with Mark, there was no four weeks of fives, four weeks of threes, four weeks of doubles and singles. It was, it was, no, it was all singles all the way, all the way. And it wasn't multiple sets of singles and there was zero assistance work. So yeah. again, uh, he was the, and he was, he was loyal to that, right? He didn't pollute it by doing a bunch of other stuff that you could point to and say, well, you know, could have been that, you know, like when we talk about Arnold, we say, well, you know, we think he really built all that humongous size when he was back in Austria. Right. right. Doing the power lifts. Doing the power lifts. Right. right. And so, but with Mark, he was a I don't know if I should, I've told this story before, but to me, it's just so funny. Mark essentially got a scholarship to train with nine-time world champion Larry Pacifico in Dayton. Uh, uh, Larry saw Mark lift at the junior nationals. Chalet uh, pulled an 800 deadlift at 200, weighing 215 pounds. Whoa. Got turned down two to one. Lost the, the junior national, the national collegiate championships. And Pacifico was there and saw him. And Larry said, man, kid, you're incredible. So I said, come to Dayton. I'll give you a job. You train with me. And I'll, you know, I'll turn you into a superstar. So Mark said, great. I get to go work with Larry and train with Larry and be Larry's buddy. And I, you know, you know what I mean? It was just, it was fantastic. So Mark went out and uh, Larry, they uh, went to the first training session and uh, Mark basically said, yeah, Larry, that's all right. I kind of got my own thing. 
<laughs> yeah, love that. <laughs> and Larry's like, excuse me? <laughs> what he said, no, that's that's cooler. It's okay, you guys go do yeah, you do your thing. And of course, Larry and Larry was a monster volume trainer. Oh my god, he was incredible. He uh if you pull out his training logs, this guy was like hitting five fifty benches, you know, I don't know, three times every 10 days. Mm-hmm. So he was the complete opposite of Mark, but even you know, even Larry laughed about it. He said Mark was just so stubborn he was and i worked with him and within and i used his strategy and i pulled myself up with with some straight dose doses of what he did now in the off season i did different stuff right in the in the off season mark didn't do a lot of anything right now that's that's what i want to ask you now you've said before you didn't think that mark uh really enjoyed training all that much or just something no i i can't i don't want to you know i I can't really put that on him i can't really say that i uh, i just it seemed to me that uh let's just say he talked on the giant phone with the with the big antenna a lot the the brick (laughs) yeah well rick so I think he fell, maybe he fell into that extreme minimalism, maybe because of that. And it just happened to work. Could have been, you know, it was the best program he could have ever picked by chance. He, he, got, world champion. He, he got a lot of progress for a lot of guys. Everybody who trained there, well, most of the guys that trained there looked to him for training advice. And he put them on the same system that he would kick them some assistance work. Um, but essentially that's what everybody was, was doing in, in that gym. Uh, and he got good results for, I, I I just look at it as again, just like had Jim talked about Randy Strassen's program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Being a, a offbeat, but a valid error for the quiver. I look at Mark's approach as offbeat, but a valid error for the quiver. Have you seen any other guys not associated with Mark Chalet that have been that extreme with minimalism? No. Not with singles. But, I mean, look at it this way. I mean, Kirk would go in on those squat days, and especially when he was, you know, going ultra heavy, and he'd do that one set of five. Yeah. And he may do some hacks if it's – no, 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 no. But it was more like, and the reason no, we you know, didn't I'm, do any hacks, we tried leg presses for I think one cycle, <laughs> and Bob and I got it destroyed our deadlift workout, loading up and loaded, unloading loaded, his, loaded and he'd be like doing thirteen reps with all the weight we had in the gym, and he'd be like yawning, and it was like, oh my god, and then we'd have to unload it. Yeah, right, and I, it I just didn't work. It just didn't work. He just squat. All he did was squat. He became super super good at squatting. I actually got that saying from Kirk, squat and leave. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I actually put it on t-shirts because everybody, you know, I need to do this. Do I need to do that? It's a leg extension, leg. And man, just squat. When you get confused, when you don't know what to do, you got three big lifts that sort of, that basically cover, you know, you can add press and clean, whatever, but basically cover the whole body that you can't go wrong. That's been proven for a hundred years or whatever, the squat bench and deadlift. Now, when you do that, now you got a lot of bases covered. Now, whatever you else do, and Marty says that all the time. I just put that in my last article. That's the dessert. Yeah. That's the dessert. And you can't really go wrong with that because it doesn't make that much of a difference. You know what I'm saying? The big yeah. ones, the the shots, you know, the, the big booming shots are the compound lifts. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the ones that are going to give you the most bang for your buck. You know, the other stuff is whipped cream. 
you know. But you, but you know, the other component to this is the muscular size, the muscular gains. Look at uh, Chalet, look at uh, Karwaski. I mean, you know, Marty's always talking about how huge Chalet was. He's got the widest shoulders he's ever seen on a guy. And that came from three all-out sets a week. Yep. So it kind of goes against everything we've ever been taught about building muscle. That's right. But again, he built himself up to the point where, yeah, he was only doing uh, singles in the deadlift, but he was deadlifting 880. Right. Let me just a quick, quick point here is that that with the lifters, there's the I think that the essential difference between the lifter and the bodybuilder is is the, the lifter trained strictly for to increase a lift and any muscle size gain was sort of an unintentional side consequence mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. a bodybuilder trains strictly to increase the muscle size and any strength gain is sort of an unintended side consequence right right so I think that's the essential difference. And the guys that, I mean, Chalet didn't set out to build a monster physique. He just wanted a giant deadlift. It just yeah. happened to get monstrous, right? But he didn't plan it that way. Right. It wasn't what he sought out, sought out to do. He's like, I'm going to get giant and then I'll have a big deadlift. Now, everything was around getting the big deadlift, the big squat, uh, and the rest just fell into place. The same thing with Kirk. Or look at Olympic lifting. Look at a guy like Piro Demas, the man, the great lifter of the 90s. All he ever did was back squat and front squat. Those guys didn't do any leg curls. They didn't do any hack squats. And you he look had, at their thigh development, it's incredible. He had vastus hanging over his knees. Like you couldn't see his knees because his vastus lateralis and medialis was hanging over him over his knees so i watch i used to watch his videos all the time that strassen yeah. put out and he did you know he cleaned and, per, and jerked like 400 whatever and then on his last clean he's probably five feet away from the rack he racks it walks over to the squat rack puts it on then then gets under it starts doing back squats yeah, i mean right. and and what i learned from watching all those guys is they never made a big deal out of any you know it was just like you know a lot of those countries <laughs> that is your job but it was just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm making this look almost but, nonchalant. But, but Jim, I think that the important thing, and this is something that you, you, I, if you look at Kirk, you see the same thing. A lot of the reason that the Olympic lifters never use spotters in the back squat is because everything was done explosively. Yeah. You very rarely saw them grind in the back room, right? When they were doing those, those training, training hall squat. Right. They don't have their, yeah, they're doing 700 for reps, the big yeah. guys, and they don't have spotters. But if you look at the way they're doing them, they're pip, pip, pip. yeah, 700, but there's no grind to it. Yeah. I used to watch Steven Botev. I think yeah, Botev, yeah. 550 cleaner. Mm-hmm. Sweatpants, tank top, 720 for a double, no belt yeah. after he had cleaned and, you know, cleaned and snatched and all that. And just, you know, I got to do this work. It was just, uh, it was casual. Yeah, casual. But, you know, I wanted to touch on, so Marty was talking about the difference between the heavy powerlifting workouts and then the bodybuilding stuff. Well, the mental aspect of lifting heavy weights and having to go in there and do a set of five with 550, 600, whatever, versus, hey, I got to do my chest today 
Right. You don't have to be mentally ready to go do your chest today. No. You know, it doesn't matter the poundage. You know, you go as heavy as you can for, for 12 reps or whatever. But the mental aspect of getting ready for that five is totally different than getting ready to do a bodybuilding workout. And the guys who I've been around who are super strong, their mental toughness and their mental preparedness for that stuff was off the charts. I think, Jim, I think the mental, mental preparedness for bodybuilding is different. I think it's still there. I think it's instead of getting psyched up for the weight, you're getting psyched up for the pain you're about to endure, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, and that's like, well, I'm gonna, you know, you talk to yourself and say, oh, I'm going to make sure I'm going to, you know, do three-second negatives on the preacher curl and stuff. But it's still not very tough on your brain to do that kind of stuff. It's not yeah. something where you have to say, I have to sit here on Wednesday, my squat workouts on Saturday and, and see myself doing this, know my warm ups exactly every single jump. I mean, the successful guys, you have to do that. I had one of my clients who's getting ready for a powerlifting uh, meet. She emailed me the other day, you know, how do I, how do I get as strong as these girls? And she sent me some top girls. I said, make it your life. You know, make it <laughs> your right. life. That's right. Yep. You know, uh, and she's got a high level <laughs> stressful job. And I'm like, no, <laughs> You can do some stuff on the back end if you can't make it your life to be successful. But to be this successful, it has to be all-encompassing. To, JP, to JP's point, I think what he's referring to is the Tom Platzian axiom of, oh, how deep yeah. can you stroll into the pain zone, son? Well, Platz is one right. of them, you know. Yeah. With, with the powerlifting background. So he had that that mentality, don't you think, Marty? Well, he, he, I mean, now you see him now. And it's, uh, to me, the main takeaway from him is, is that he's getting people to push deeper into sets than they would. You got another. You got another. You got five, I mean? He always says, you got five more. Right, right, right. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And the, and the, the four straps, the extended sets, the drop sets, all those strategies, how, and what JP was, was riffing on was how much, how much lactic acid right. buildup can you stand, son? Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah his, his, his contention is that, that that's where the champions, the more you can take, the better chance you have of becoming a champion. Right. Now, now, speaking of all in, you know, I remember talking to Pete Grimkowski one time at Gold's Gym, and uh, this was back in the 90s. And, uh, you know, we kind of became friends a little bit. You know, we talked when I, I went in there to train, and he was training, and he'd tell me all this stuff. It was kind of cool. But he said one of the things that they used to do was they would get hypnotized before they would they would uh, train so they could better mentally handle that pain they were about to take on yeah. with the building, the lactic acid, you know, burning the muscle and all that. So when we say all in, that's, you know, I consider that all in. That's just way well, you got to live the life. Well, here's a little insider information from the guy who used to work in the biz is that Another pain inhibitor was one very, very famous bodybuilding champion used to take a quaalude before a workout. And that's another way to, to diffuse the pain. And he swore by it. And you know, that's, that was a huge problem in the 90s was the introduction of Nubane, oh, yeah. which hmm. enables you to never feel the pain. Now, they didn't wow. know it was super addictive, but that's what guys started using it for. 
not, you never feel it. You know, you can push through anything. Huh, never heard of that. Now, I think Arnold used to drink pitchers of beer, right? I yeah. don't know. When he was I training? I don't that, think so. I don't, that'd I don't give, you, that'd give a, you a pump, wouldn't it? I'm not a fan. Let's move on. Back to minimalism. <laughs> Uh-oh, we, cre- we crept into bodybuilding for a second. Marty's getting a little grumpy. All right, well, well look, we've established mm. that this stuff works. Uh, there's proof. You know, you guys have done it. You've trained people that are, you've trained uh, world-class athletes and uh, still, do, still do it. Still do. So this <clears throat> stuff we've well, also, also still, still train. I mean, I have a training group of guys that only train once a week. Right. They, they train so, on Sunday. They do squat. They do bench press. They do deadlift. They do overhead press. They do arms. Then they go and live their lives. And right. they only, they only strength train one time a week and right. everybody's making gains. And they have so, for years. We've been doing this for going on six years. I've got guys who haven't plateaued yet. Right, right. And, you know, and if you look at all the, the pros of minimalism, I mean, my God, anybody that's trying to live a normal life, it's great. It fits right in. And with your spec ops guys, because yeah. of all the stuff that they're doing, this is the only thing that will work for them because this is the only thing they have time for. Yeah. Well, you look at it. I got a, a guy trained who was a sniper. He trains Saturday, Sunday. He does a little bit of bench on a Wednesday. That's it. Mm-hmm. Trains Saturday, Sunday. He, you know, he's got kids. He's got the now he tests weapons and all this stuff. He doesn't have time. You know, you can't get in touch with him from seven in the morning till <laughs> seven at night because he's doing all that stuff. So Make Saturday and Sunday, he trains with his sons. I write, yeah. you know, we I alternate going heavy on the squat one week and heavy on the deadlift the next. Yep. And he's making crazy games. That's right. That's right. Kenny, Kenny Fantana used to shut the gym uh, on Sunday because that was the only day that they could train without continual interruption. So we'd train on Sunday. Yeah. Well, all right. So we've established that this isn't something that Marty made up. It's real. It's, it works. <laughs> um, so let's go through a few questions that uh, some of the guys out there have sent us. So. Yeah. Um, all right. This one came from, uh, the Facebook page, abbreviated training. And it's a group of guys that talks about this kind of thing and, and getting the, the most for, for leastest. the leastest. Yep. yep. Most is for the leastest. So, and if you want to join that group, you can go check that out. It's abbreviated training. So if you're interested in this kind of training, go there. There's a lot of good discussions all the time and it's a, Good uh, group of guys. We're all a member I, of that. And I, I had thought it was for short people. I'm, I'm glad you'd clarify that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. <laughs> I don't think there, there's probably some short guys in there. Not all of them. All right. This one's from uh, Nicholas uh, Ravnikar. So he says, uh, for people that like to or want to train daily, yeah. How can they do this with a minimalistic approach? Looking to find the right balance between strength training, cardio, recovery, etc. His goal is general fitness with some uh, increased strength and size gains. Well, yeah, let's training. say. Is it? Do you leave anything out? Does he want to be better, <laughs> better, better looking and taller and you know, Mark supermodel? Yeah, Marty touched on that. Where where he'll go a cycle where he you know, trains you know, three days a week and then he'll switch it up where he does one basically body part a day, right? Lift a day, one lift a day. Yeah, yeah you, you, usually, a, usually a superset, like it's good to do like an overhead press with a, like a pull-up. Right. 
a bench mm-hmm. press with some sort of a row. Yeah, push and pull, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, squat with uh, do my leg curls and my calf raise, and and, and I, so I just stretch it out. So instead of doing well, like like my Sunday crew, they do squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, biceps, triceps. So now you would do Sunday squat. Uh, Tuesday bench, Wednesday, I don't know, whatever, arms, Thursday, you know what I mean? You just yeah. stretch it out. Yeah. yeah. How long do you think each session is going to take you doing that? Depends how strong you are. <laughs> because you have well, to do I more, mean, it takes, more warm-ups. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, you're, yeah if, it only, if it only takes you three sets, then you, and if you're going to do, uh, let's say, a push-pull a day, that's a total of six sets. That's a 15-minute thing. Yeah, so my yeah. leg workout on Sundays uh, – I'm doing, you know, five sets working up to, you know, my last set is 12 to 20 reps and uh, it takes me like 12 minutes. <laughs> now I'm crawling out of that place, man. Yeah. When I go home, when I get home and the chores that I'm supposed to do, I go right into the nap nap stage, man. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't take long, but yeah. And I wrote this in my just article I just submitted to JP. In order to do that kind of stuff, you have to be ready to push very hard it doesn't do you any good to go in there for 12 to 15 minutes or 20 minutes, talk to the front desk for five, talk to the pretty girl over there in the, in the new tights you just saw. You know, it doesn't, you have to be folk, you know, so that 12 minute workout to a lot of people is a 45 minutes when they're not that focused. I can't stand, I can't stand that. You know, I don't want to even talk to people, you know, generally anyway. So <laughs> I'm not going to talk to them when I'm doing the one thing I really like to do. You know what I'm saying? So you got it. Yeah, go the, ahead. The, 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 the trade-off intensity, I mean, uh, minimalism only works if it's amplified by maximum intensity. Right. It's like getting hit by a hammer, for, yes. you know, one time. Or, or bo- bo- body, bodybuilding is um, you, you lessen the intensity in, to lengthen the volume. You have to because you have to make it across the finish line. Right. Right. You can't, if you go a hundred percent all out in the first exercise of the first set in an hour bodybuilding routine, by the time you get to the end, those exercises suffer so terribly in terms of your poundage handling ability. They're not worth doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can't, I can't do that though. I can't grab it. You know, I can't get warmed up and go to my max weight and not just like tear the hell out of it and just, uh, just max it out for, you know, until failure. I, I can't, I can't just, you know, set it down and I still have three or four more left in me just to, I, I don't know. I'm more of a, oh, but if you, but if you, if you had to do five sets of five, you have to, or you won't make it. Yeah. If it, with a static poundage, if in other words, you go, well, uh, 135, uh, 185, 225, 275, and then you're supposed to do five sets of five with 315. Right. Well, if, the first set, you barely finish the fifth rep, brother. You've got a long day, man. You're not going to make it. You know what I mean? Right. Un- unless right. you put huge rest periods in between each of those five sets. Yeah. So there's always there's always an inverse ratio between uh, intensity and volume, right? Right. Right. I think it's good to modulate back and forth between the two extremes. I think that's what Jim's talking about too. Periods of let's do some volume training just to get away from this ultra minimalism. Mm -hmm. 
and then, right. Yeah, and you'll and you'll grow like that, or you'll get stronger. Because yeah, because you guys aren't saying that minimalism is the end all be all. Do no, it all no. the time. No, no, it's no, an no. arrow in the quiver. Yeah, and, and again, it's one of the. I mean, I think the big modulation is between periods of uh, volume and periods of intensity. But did guys like Chalet ever do volume training, or did he always do no, the same? No, thing? Mark would. Mark's contrast was to not train. Yeah, his he's on one end of the spectrum. I mean, he is yeah. somebody who's just way out there, man. And he has he's, to. Yeah, he's here's a cool. Here's a cool. Uh, there was a great baseball pitcher. Uh, uh, what was his name? Catfish Hunter. So he was at a he was at an airport bar, and he's sitting there, and he's got a pack of Marlboros, and he's on. He's got a, a beer and a shot chaser, and a woman comes up with a kid and says. My child is in tears because he sees you over here drinking and smoking and, and, and you're supposed to be an athlete and an example. And he looked at her and goes, lady, I'm not an athlete. I'm a ball player. <laughs> right. And that was, that's Mark, right? That that's Mark, right? Mark yeah. is like, yeah, come on, man. So anyway, God bless him. Love him. All right. Here's a question from, you guys know a guy named John Roy? Um, no. All right. have, I thought you have, did. Do, do we have to? I, you don't have to. I just thought uh, maybe you did. Anyway, he oh, says, I know, um, I know Roy John. Or maybe it's Roy John. I don't I'm know. kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. All right. So he says, uh, what would the time frame and rep progression be for off season lift variants? Like, say you're going to do front squat or specialty bar, like, you know, safety bar, or whatever, stuff like that. Jim will be happy to answer that. Say it again, JP, the, the first part of that question. What he says, the, what would the time frame and rep progression be for off-season lift variants? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to – if you're trying to – so if you're if you're saying, okay, now I'm going to do the safety squat or the half-field squat, whatever they call it, I would, I would cycle that just like I would my back squat because in order to show that you're making gains, you have to have an end goal, right? So – Anytime I would do a safety squat and I did a bunch of safety squats, I would say, okay, well, I've never done 450 for five. So that's where I want to be at the end of this cycle. So then I would just go backwards just like I did when anytime I'm ever designing a cycle, right? I don't, I don't like doing exercises, uh, especially the big ones, where I don't have a goal to get there, like a strength goal to get there. Yeah. You know I mean, it's sort of like, why go, you know? Um, so I would set it up the same the same way, and you can you can do it where you start off with you know sets of eight, then sets of fives, threes, and that's certainly one way you can do it with percentages and say okay, which is the same thing. It's just that you're just putting a percentage on it, and instead of you know saying okay, I'm just going to jump twenty pounds, you're jumping seven percent or ten percent. You know what I'm saying? It's the same kind yeah. of stuff. As long as you're progressing on that, then you're you're good to go, in my opinion. You know. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And he also says, um, squat and deadlift respond great to once a week training. Bench, not so much. Right. Uh, does bench need a second day or a variant day? Well, I do I like – oh, Marty, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. I took the – No, 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 no. Good, buddy. Good, good. Well, I mean, I do like uh, a bench day and a close grip day. And so if you're <laughs> – so let's say Tuesday is your close grip. This is what Kirk did when he – to put some size on his arms he would do a arm day but that tuesday would be it worked 
a close grip. Yeah, he'd do <laughs> close grip. He would do close grip, easy curls, dumbbell curls. But he would cycle that close grip like he cycled, you know, the bench. And then on Saturday, come back and do the bench and incline. Right. So really, you're getting two bench days in there. It's just that on that Tuesday, you're working more of a tricep. It takes a little more stress off the shoulders. And remember, he was doing that wide grip also on Saturdays. Uh, oh. You're still getting that. See, I'm a huge believer. And the more you get your hands around the bar, the better you are when you're trying to get good at those those lifts, right? So all that pressing was really just this bench offshooting to get your bench better. You know? we, we, we would just do it a little bit differently. I mean, we we would use the overhead press on day two. Right. But you could do Kirk. And Kirk didn't like the overhead press, so he did the incline. Well, right. guess what? Our overhead press is kind of like an incline anyway because we rock back a little bit. Right. our overhead press yeah. uh so on the second day and 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 steel like the, the the flat bench with the narrow grip let's just say some sort of different push style and again we like the overhead press because i tell you when we pushed when our overhead press went up our bench automatically went up yeah, i believe yeah. that yeah. Now it's not the opposite you can't if you push the bench up it doesn't do anything for the overhead press but it's that weird one-way relationship where if you push the overhead press up to a significant degree, it helps the bench, particularly at the tricep lockout. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember we had Josh Bryan on a few months ago. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys remember, he's uh, he was at one time, I don't think he is anymore, but he was at one time the youngest guy to bench press 600 pounds. And he's got a uh, Instagram page called Jailhouse Strong. Uh, he's over here in Texas. He's not too far from me. But he said, yeah, he could do the, the legs. I think he said once a week, but he said he always felt like the upper body needed more. And I'm the same way. But, but, but he was a 400-pound seated front presser. Right, right. But I just think the, the upper body is so much more complex. There's right, more moving more parts. Recover, recover faster than bigger yeah. muscles. Yeah, little, yeah. Muscle, little, little muscles jump fat. And again, we're not squatting benching. You know what I'm saying? So you've got yeah. the squat bench, you know, that complete opposite. Whereas you've got the squat deadlift, you've got the press overhead press or the, or the press incline. I mean, basically you're using the same muscles twice a week in the upper body and using the same muscles twice a week in the lower body. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Steven Wilson. He says, um, should we train muscles like the calves more often or use the same minimalistic approach? So would you do calves once a week and that's it? I don't have a right to have an opinion because my calves are so bad. <laughs> Well, you know, guys like Kirk and whatever, he never did calf raises. No, did he got, he, but he was born with 20-inch calves. You don't have to when you're born with 19-inch calves. Yeah, and I asked him, I said, how'd you get your calves so big? Because they have the split down the middle, the veins in them, and I'm like, he's like walking around with 800 pounds <laughs> on your back. You know what I mean? He had I, that. He had those big calves before he ever touched really? them. Really? Yes. Well, well here, you know to, what? Answer, to answer his question, when I'm doing a bodybuilding show, uh, every other workout, I would do calves. And I would do 150 reps. Now, I, I what I would say was, okay, I can do, you know, uh, five sets here. Or I can, you know, whatever it took to get to 150 reps. And you switch it up every time. Sometimes you do a donkey calf, which I think are the best. Um, 
or leg press or one legged leg press calf or, you know, that kind of stuff or seated. Um, but you know, every other day. And then what I would do, because it's so amazingly boring yes. is let's say I had to do shoulders that day and it was a calf day. I would do a set of laterals and then I'd go over and do a set of calves, uh-huh. a, set, a set of, uh, you know, behind the neck press and a set uh-huh. of calves. So pretty soon you've done. Uh-huh. You yeah. are, you are echoing the weeder staggered set. Principle number 726. And I wasn't even on the Weeder Research Board. Well, I was. I know you were. (laughs) The Weeder Research Clinic. Clinic, that's it. Yeah. So, you know, and I see this, you know, so one time, all right, so one time, two two doctors from Australia showed up at Woodland Hills. Yeah. Right. From Australia, they traveled from Australia. They wanted to see Joe, and Joe called up Jim Wright. Dr. Jim Wright, uh, he was the science editor for Muscle and Fitness, said, these guys want to see the Weeder Research Clinic. So Jim says, oh, my God. So he ran downstairs and he said, guys, I don't know how to tell you this. It burnt down last week. Because <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't one. <laughs> I don't know. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> But yeah. Jim, why would we want to train calves a little more than other muscles? Like calves, no, you're, walking, you're walking around all day long. Abs, your your yeah. calves are feeling that that weight that you have all day long, all day long, all day long. They're an endurance muscle, um, and so I tell you one thing. Besides the fact that you can train them, they're a small group. You can train them more often. Um, you're always walking around on that, so you have to punish them a little bit. Um, is the fact oh. that the way you train calves is very important. I don't want to get too far off in the weeds on this one, but I see people all the time not, not getting the big stretch in the calves. Going up on your toes is important, but the stretch is even more important in calves because remember, you're doing that limited, limited range of motion all day long. You need to get that full range of motion on the calves. Sit way back, your heels way down, then come up all the way, pause it. Don't worry about the weight I, either. Don't worry about it. I see, yeah, I see a lot of ego training with calves. Guys will load the, the seated calf up, you know, six, eight plates on top. And then they're going about maybe a quarter of an inch, a half inch. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, you know, I put my two plates on, I'm getting a full stretch. And uh, that's, you know, that's, that's how I'm building my calves. But, uh, you know, d- don't let it be an ego thing. Make sure you're getting that good stretch. Don't waste your time because, you know, range of motion with about a half inch on the calves or any other muscle really doesn't, it's not really getting you that far. But the other reason we train calves, abs, and maybe forearms a little bit more is because like Jim said, you're, you're always kind of using them, but they have a lot more muscle fibers, right? Well, it's, I think it's, I think it's different types. I think it's more like an, more endurance uh, muscle. You know, yeah. Fibers need to be. Yeah. It's way. just different. It's made for a lot of use, like walking and chicken you know, using your hands and chicken leg, man, the meat inside a chicken leg. Yeah. Yeah. The dark meat. That's right. I mean, Give us another outstanding question. All right. So that's that one. Uh, let's see. So Brian Wright says, he says, uh, when weights or machines are not available, what are some techniques we can use to keep increasing intensity while staying within the minimalism template? Like say you're using body weight or, and he said, would you, instead of being able to add weight, would you do supersets and, and things like that or different program variations? What are you deprived of? 
Well, if you don't have, uh, like, say right now, with the, the whole thing that's going on with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people don't have equipment what? like they what? used to. Well, what, what are we deprived? Do we have a barbell or not? No. Oh, Jim, you answer that. Rep speed. Rep speed. So I got some people that can do, you know, 100 push-ups in a row. That's pretty boring, right? So I'll say, okay, we're going to do push-ups, but we're going to do a four-second negative. You're going to pause two inches from the ground. Then you're going to go up. Now, all of a sudden, 100 reps, down to 40 or 30, you know what I mean? Um, so slow negatives, pauses, dips, you can do the same way. Um, you know, you can dip from anything. You know, I used to go, when I would go on vacation, I, uh, years and years ago, I didn't have any money. So to join the $20 a day gym, I mean, unbelievable, right? If, when you go to some of these gyms. So I would go to the playground. Now you can do dips and chin-ups. You just get up there on the slide and, and they have a thing that's just wide enough for dips. Uh, then they always have a chin-up bar, something you can do. So you like like kicking little kids off the swing? Yeah, they, like, hey, try to, hey, these are for me. I'm dipping. Get away. Yeah. yeah. So so that kind of stuff can definitely be done, you know. Uh, uh, and, and on your squats, you don't have – you can always find something to hold on to. But if you can't, then elevate the heels – Oh, you um, get you get rep speed squat with your cellmate. You could put your cellmate on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's one from uh, Ryan in Australia. I know Ryan, <laughs> my guy. <laughs> All right, he says I work very hard as a firefighter training uh, instructor, firefighting training instructor. Do people with taxing occupations? like this need to do more cardio. I spend a lot of time wearing heavy protective gear in the blazing sun. I don't have a lot of gas left for cardio afterwards. Do I need to make room for, for formal cardio when I am sweating and exerting most every day? I'm loving the once weekly and all the day, once, once a day training. Uh, that's been a godsend. I train on Sunday with my mates I used to try to train three times a week for an hour per session. Very yeah. tough when tired from my job. My lifts have soared since cranking back to once a week. Yeah, cardio. So, I mean, here he's doing, you know, he's getting cardio through his occupation. Does he have to do more? Should he do, should he still do it or just do less? Ryan's my guy. So this is a question he had for me. So the answer is no. <laughs> no, you're sweating you're you know you're sweating like a maniac just doing your job plus he's fit he's uh you know he's got a, a relatively low body fat percentile and he's able to you know go up and down the sides of steep hills wearing you know 80 pounds of gear and it's like it, we have the same issue with uh, the military guys we work with you know it's like they don't they don't need our cardio advice they get plenty of that they need our strength training advice right yeah i don't think i, I mean they're doing their own cardio through you know oh, jujitsu and running oh, and all that yeah. stuff i don't i can't see them going on a treadmill or a bike or do they well they do everything i was talking to one of them on facetime the other day he's on deployment and uh I said, man, how'd that squat go he said jim you're gonna be real disappointed you know which i'm never disappointed in those guys and he's like, uh, I just can't stop fuck, freaking running, man. I just can't, you know, that mentality, they're, they're just a little different. You know, they're just like, I got to go do something. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got to go run. I got to go sprint. I got to do this. So with that kind of stuff, and just like the firefighter, you know, you, uh, you try to temper it on the, on the back end with, uh, 
you know, food and rest as much as they can, but you just got to accept the fact sort of like the firefighter who's that's his job. Well, these guys, they look at it like that's their job too. I got to sprint to save my buddies. I got to sprint to get to yeah. the next house, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you ain't got to do extra, man. You're doing it all day long. Right. <clears throat> okay. So John in Germany says, yeah. he's got yeah. a protein, he's got a protein question. So is a high protein intake really that important or is it a scam started by the supplement companies? I, I hear from one side protein is critical and some advocate super high amounts like two grams per, per pound of body weight. And on the other side, I hear the need for protein is vastly overrated and it has, is nothing but a scam to sell protein products. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jim, you got it, man. Go. Yeah, I mean, I've never not had success when I told somebody to bump up their protein. You know, like uh, got another email from another client the other day. I just feel beat up. I just feel this. So, you know, well, I'm taking in you know 80 to 100 grams. You know, it's a it's a female who's 165, and I'm like, well, let's go. You know, let's get your body weight at least and see what happens. Um, in a week, they feel different. I have a 15 year old girl I'm training who I was like, all right, let's go over what you're doing diet-wise. I added, she, she was eating no protein, basically. Um, you know, granola bar, you know, stuff. And so- a vegan, vegan kind of person. But not on purpose. They just, people just don't know. Yeah. And, and so I said, all right, what, what can you stand? Because she's a picky eater. Well, I like, you know, uh, let's see. I, I like uh, candy bars and this and that. So I said, oh, there's actually, yeah, I know. There's actually a protein bar that tastes pretty good. It tastes like wafers and all this. She added that in just, you know, 20 grams. So in a week, that's 140 extra grams. Her lifts started to go up. Now I'm now she's I'm saying, well, try some turkey, try some, you know, you just sort of add some more in. Every time she does that, she's stronger and her mood has improved also like she's not fatigued when she gets there. She's ready to go. And I'm like, what what did you eat this morning? Because her press went from doing 65 pounds overhead to 85 pounds overhead in like three weeks. That's so true. well, I coach, I added that protein bar. And then, you know, you told me try some red meat two or three times a week. So my dad's been making me hamburgers and it, it, it does make a difference, man. It does make a difference. Now that's one end of the spectrum. Now, Jose Antonio, the protein researcher came out and he had his graduate class, I think go up to like two or three times their body weight. And then they did their blood pet test and there was no adverse effects, you know, as far as kidney problems and this and that. You know, so uh, and I think it also has to do with your assimilation of protein. You know, I think some people can assimilate it better than others. You know, so you got to figure out what type of person you are and are you using this type of protein? And if you're getting fat, you know, it's tough to get fat on protein. That's probably the carbs that are going with it. But, you know, you back off and you experiment. But I think one gram per pound is is minimum, minimum. Yeah, and I, I think if you're um, you're really training hard, um, you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, world-class athletes are doing it. Everybody's doing it. That's, that's anybody in strength sports or, or, you know, uh, professional sports or whatever. Um, are you really going to go against all of what, what they're doing? And, um, you know, why, why would you expend all this energy lifting and, uh, you know, not just cover your bases with your nutrition as well. I don't know. I couldn't see that. I'm, I'm taking in probably a gram per pound, 
you know, I've, I've been doing that for so what's that, 450 grams? years. Yeah. Years and years, but, uh, no, and I'm only lifting three times a week, but I figured, you know, if I'm going to spend the time out there busting my butt, I'm darn sure going to come in and, and, and take advantage of the, uh, the window of opportunity. I'm going to slam that whey protein as soon as I come in from my workout and I'm going to have protein every eh, about three hours after that, a good quality protein. You know, if I'm doing my work in the gym, I got to do it in the kitchen too. Right. Yeah, I like that. That's a good t-shirt. That's a good t-shirt, right, Jim? Well, yeah, we'll make a t-shirt out of that. Right. All right. Um, <clears throat> Rupert in New Mexico says, okay, so he says, I have a 765-pound official deadlift weighing yep. 255. That's a yep. damn good lift. I want to get to, I want to get to 800. What would you recommend in terms of training changes? I have forwarded my training split. Oh, that's, that's us. Yeah. So this is another of my guys. Nice. Yeah. You got a yeah. Well, um, yeah. Uh, and his uh, deadlift technique is great, but uh, guess what? He uses hundred percent hip hinge to bust the bar from the floor. So our remedial goal is, is we're gonna, we're gonna up his leg strength. He's about a 550 raw squatter. Mm -hmm. Right, so the, so the, instead of continuing to play to his strengths, right. we're gonna attack his weakness and give him more leg power, which will enable him to break the bar from the floor, mm -hmm. keep that hip hinge in reserve for when it hits the knees, then fire it. I think this guy could, pull 850 down the road you get him the 600 on a squat he'll pull eight easy that's what i'm saying he'll pull eight easy he could stop deadlifting and just yes get yes 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 and that is a, well kind of sort of what, what, what we're doing um lowered the reps and and but again he's completely dedicated and uh, you know one of these natural first he was a great athlete you know he's a uh high-level football player you know what i mean he's a yeah. good good athletic stock and just has that natural thing for the deadlift you know some yeah. of those guys do conventional or sumo uh conventional wow. just just bends over and grabs it and picks it up with those big hands and those long arms and those long legs and and it's just uh it's an easy thing and he keeps his shoulders over behind the bar mm. real good but uh, he just needs more leg power. And that, that, that's what we're doing with him. Also, um, he's under, he's under class. He's, I think, 255. And I think the new weight class is 264. So he's got, uh, you know, we got mm, 10 to 15 pounds of lean muscle mass to add to, which kind of ties into your protein question. Yeah. Yeah, 268, 270. And then, you know, that four pounds is nothing. That's a little water at the meat. You know, it's like Kirk being 285 and and, and nerve and nerves. I mean, if you're if you're gonna be competing in the in the nationals, just just nerves alone is gonna drop three to five pounds off you in the fast last week. That's a good point. Yeah. Hey, hey Marty, if he's uh if he's deadlifting 765 with a 550 squat, isn't that the high end of the spread? You know, yeah, that's very, a couple, very, very, couple very. hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's way that's way off. <clears throat> what's what's the most you like to see your guys at for the spread between the deadlift and squat? 
I'd like to see him with a 765 squat. <laughs> That'd yeah. be good. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the powerlifters, you see those two numbers are pretty even a lot of times. Uh, or worse, you got a lot of guys that have a big, you know, have a 650 squat and a 550 deadlift, right? The mm -hmm. short the short guys with the little hands and the, you know, monster chest. They have, they'll have a 650 raw squat, a 550 uh, raw bench, and a 500 deadlift. Mm. Right. Yeah. But they don't work it, and they're not course, built for it, and they don't care about it. Of course, now with modern technology, they're benching more than they're squatting and deadlifting, right? Well, the bench, the, I think the bench record's up to over 1,100, whereas yeah. the, it's, it, it's higher than the deadlift. Right. But raw, what's, what's the uh, current record for raw? About 750, 750, I think. Yeah, there's a guy going for it. He's uh, Julius Maddox, I think. He's uh -huh. a huge guy he, but, he's, but he's 450 he weighs yeah, 450 yeah, he's pounds huge. He's huge. but i think he went for eight and somebody misloaded it yeah, yeah can you imagine can you imagine uh, you worked your whole life and a spotter misloads the ball <laughs> it's crazy but anyway yeah, so it's up there that's uh that's what ed cone was saying when uh kirk broke that record that squat record you see cone in the video he comes out to check the weight, he goes. I want to check it because I've been misloaded so many times. Also, we had a thing where we wanted to keep the plates loose. Yeah. One thing that Ed, one thing that Ed and I would do is we would go out and we'd grab the the weights and we see if they would jiggle. If they had it, if they had it tight, really, really tight, it turns it into a dumbbell. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. We want counter. If it's a dumbbell, then it has a tendency when you go to the bottom to keep going. Yeah. Whereas if the plates are all loose, then the jiggle counteracts and it keeps an evenness during the descent. So yeah, that's, a, a that's a minor, minor technical point, but it's a, it's a big point if you're handling a thousand pounds. Yeah. Well, and that's what Kirk said. It was, uh, that was a big deal. All right, here's another one from, I think you pronounce it Callum. Callum? Callum. Um, how often should we change around the bench, deadlift, and squat to keep progressing? Change it around. So how often should we yeah. have that big contrast? Or When you, you stall. Know? When you stall. When you stall. You know when you stall. I, I, if, you, if you stall out, what, Jim, three times in a row? If yeah. you hit the wall, I don't know, you're just a normal guy and you're whatever, you're doing five reps in the bench with um, 155 pounds and you hit the wall three times in a row. You need to change something. You need to do yeah. something. You, you, you know, you can't, people stay too long with the same routine. What's the definition of um, craziness? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's stagnation. Stagnation is the trigger. <clears throat> and having, um, you need a big, a big batch of strategies. If you only have one way to train, you're in, you're in trouble, right? I mean, I like the, you know, if you're not training directly for a meet, I sure do like pushing one and backing off the other. Doesn't mean yeah. you're not, Why but not? you say, okay, in this, in this 12 weeks or whatever, I'm going to push this deadlift. And my squat, although I'm going to work it, I'm going to keep it, you know, a little lighter on my speed with the squat. 
or my arms suck. So I'm going to do an arm specialization program for 12 weeks where I train my arms twice a week. That's great. Do that. If that's the kind of thing that fires you up, that's what you want. You want to be psychologically <coughs> fired up for resistance training. Yeah. You know, besides yeah. the programming changes, JP, as soon as you said that, asked that question, I thought, eat more. <laughs> yeah. That's my first thing. So I would always say, I would always say, let's let's sit down after this workout. Let me write down everything, you know, all the the factors that go on, go into making me stronger, right? And it's yeah. it's rest. You know, can I can I take a 30 minute nap during the day? Oh, oh, can't. But can I go to bed at 30 minutes earlier? Yes, I can. Okay. What about my food? Okay, I'm looking at my calories. You know, I should be taking in 3,500. Last week I averaged 2,800. Got to be 3,500 when I do this the, the, the following week. Every box needs to be checked, right? Yeah. And then you come to something where you go, that's it. That's what I'm not doing right. Now it could be the programming. But I would look at all the stuff that surrounds the actual workout uh, before I made a lot of changes. Right? Agree, Marty? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. But I like what Marty said too. If you're continuing to make gains, there's nothing set in stone that says you've got to about face at 12 weeks and just totally change it. Oh, yeah. Ooh, no, don't touch that dial. Right. Keep it going. <laughs> right. Keep it going. No, and, baby. and, you know, Marty, you train these guys on Sundays. So you're, you're training a group of regular guys that yep. train once a week and that's it. Yep. And you've said, I think you said it today, these guys have not stalled out yet and they've been going for a long, long time. So do you have them change it around a lot or are they still doing the same thing? Well, again, it depends if they have a, if they have a competition in their gun sites, which I think the boys do, I think they're looking to do something in April. So uh, um, right right now we're twelve weeks. I think we're in the first first four, we're in the first four weeks of a twelve week cycle. the The strategy this time is is that for the first six weeks, actually for the first eight weeks, we want zero grind. Yeah, my, my, these guys have become experts at grinding weight, so I'm taking away their grind. We're going to, the only grind that's going to be allowed is for the last four weeks. So yeah, but first, explain what that means. Explain well, it means they've got, they've got to lighten up all their poundages. In other words, if they're starting off the cycle, normally, let's say they start off the cycle with 315 for five, but it's a little moderate in speed. Well, they got to lighten up to 265 and really move it. Okay. Bang, 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 bang. And we want to keep that each week for eight weeks. We want to keep that velocity. We want to establish the velocity. We want to keep the velocity. The only time we're going to allow any grind is in the last four weeks. These guys start grinding in week one of a 12-week cycle. And we noticed that when we were training with Kirk. We were like, he never grinds. <laughs> never, 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 never. It's like bang, bang. Okay, done. See you later. Knows what he has that day, and, and I'm looking. I'm looking around, and we're going. We don't do anything but grind. We got to change some stuff. Yeah, right. And all the guys. I mean, it's blowing their minds because now it's now it's like forget poundage. It's you've got to move this. If it's five reps, you've got the fifth rep has got to be fast, and it is just it's it's messing up their central nervous systems, right? <laughs> in the best way because they're all programmed 
to be like dump trucks. And now we're going, okay, I've got to be a Porsche, got to be a turbo Porsche, got to be a turbo Porsche. And they're like, whoa, this is so difficult, but it's going to end up so much better for them. It's like we did, we discovered a chink in the armor. Thank God. Yeah. That's how you improve. You find your weak points. You find some thing that is just off and you hone in on that. And that's where the lift occurs. Literally, that's where the, that's where the, that's where the, that's how you break out of stagnation. Yeah. Have you ever hit a plateau, Marty? Yeah. Well, sure. I've got a big ass bell curve. Um, you know, I mean, I peaked out and well, you know, I had that bad injury. I probably would have peaked out mid thirties and I'm 70. Cycle and, and miss and say, oh, I have to, to change all this up because you planned it. Well, yeah, but you become a plan master when you've been doing it for 60 years. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I can look at these guys. I, I call their next moves. Like I'm watching these guys and, and they'll do it. And I'll say, all right, now look, here's, you know, here's what's happening today. I'm like an orchestra conductor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember being in a gym in North Carolina when I was traveling and I had to do four or five for eight in a squat. And, you know, I got the eight and I remember a guy going, man, you had 12, you had 10, you had 12. You could have. I was like, no, nah, I got a program. I'm sticking yeah. to the program. That's yeah. how you and, I, and, and I, I needed to move that 405 for eight with speed. Right. Because I had to do And next week, I'm going to move 415 with speed. Right. 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 I, I love Cone who's, when he says, leave one, always leave one in the tank. Always leave one behind. Always. Yeah, I know. Eddie say that. But you look at some of those training tapes and you go, man, there wasn't one left there, brother. And he knows that, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, well, we had to help him back in the racks a few times after I got some god awful five rep set with 900 or something. It's like, holy <laughs> hell, right? <Yeah. laughs> Just inhuman, inhumane, right? <laughs> yeah, on both, both. Yeah, on both. Oh, yeah. All right. Eastside Barbell says, uh, thoughts on clap. Huh? Where's Eastside Barbell? On the east side. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's his best joke ever. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. They, uh, they, uh, they're friends What's of ours. I don't know where they're at, but they're friends of ours. All right. All right. Thoughts on classic hard gainer type routines like Stuart McRobert and John Christie. Um, I don't know anything about what, what, what do those programs consist of? Do you know? Well, I thought Marty would know for sure. He knows Stuart McRobert. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 I need to plead the fifth on this one. Chuck did <laughs> book, didn't, didn't Chuck do a book with? Uh, come on, man. Yeah, there? he's he's working with Stuart, right? Is it minimalist? Is, it, is that what it is? Is it one step to failure? I don't know, man. I feel uh, bad. I don't know. What's your next question? Marty's pleading the fifth for some reason. I don't get the joke, but... It's not a joke, baby. It's I apologize to Eastside Barbell. It's just, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I, I wrote the foreword for his last book. Okay. Who? Stuart. Stuart? Yeah. But I've always choked on the idea of hard gainer. I know. Right. And I told him this, and I told Chuck this. I said, uh, it's as if... It's, it's a, some sort of a built-in excuse that one segment of humanity yeah. 
is somehow predisposed to not be able to make. So I guess then I am an easy gainer, right? I'm an easy gainer. It, it just that concept of that there's a segment of humanity that needs to be trade, treated different because they're hard gainers, okay? And I don't believe that. I think we all are dealt essentially the same hand. And uh, so anyway, it's a philosophic, it's a small philosophic point, but it's one that I have a hard time getting past because I don't buy into it. Well, it gives you an excuse going in, you, you know. I mean, I got this kid now, uh, he was 170 when, when he started training. It's probably four years ago. He's 265 right now. He looks like a totally different person. He does like three exercises, you know. Um, so if you saw him initially, and I did, and I said, in my head, he'll never, <laughs> you know, I said, I'm going to chain him to the squat rack, basically. And, right. uh, you know, and just a set every... Chain him yeah. to the squat rack. You know what I'm saying? And, and but he just started eating, he started lifting, and all of a sudden he went from this spindly quote unquote hard gainer to somebody who somebody would say, Dang man, I bet that muscle comes easy for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it did. And it did. Once he started, once he started eat eating and training right. 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 I don't know, but I mean you've got to acknowledge uh you know genetics. And things like that, because, you know, I, I, I'm never going to be a world-class bench presser. It was never my thing. As hard as I tried, as many different programs that I tried, I never will do it. Where I've got friends that on any day of the week and haven't been lifting for months can go rep out 315 on, on the flat bench. Yeah, I mean, that's the, not me. Genetics are huge. Yeah, but, but, but no one's talking about setting world records. That's not how we define hard and easy gainer. He's just talking about making modest nothing gains. Just, you know, you can't even do that because you're such a hard gainer. We're not talking about setting world records. We're talking about just making modest, normal person gains. Oh, I can't do that. I'm a hard gainer. Yes, you can. It's modest, easy gains. Anybody can do it. Sorry. I said I wasn't going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> no jp I, I see your point you know most of those guys though they're not the hard workers and the oh. guy who who has to work harder at it will, may get further than the guy who can go in there and do 315 whenever he wants you know that, that well would a, that would have been a good title easy worker and your to your <laughs> point jim a little while ago you have to look at it from the full circle you can't do one thing right without doing all the rest because if you just do one if you just take one piece of the pie and dial that in well what about the rest of the pie i mean you're not going to make the gains that you want to make or need to make no you've got to take it all in if you're serious about this it's got to encompass your life and you've got to you know make the sacrifices like everybody else does to be an easy gainer right I don't know if you got to change your life. I mean, you're just talking about make, a normal guy right. making some normal gains. I mean, we don't have to like right, the, right. the content or anything. Yeah, I think yeah. instead of doing your Cheetos and a, and a ham sandwich, you know, at lunch, you know, be more aware that, hey, I need to have a steak. I need to have, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just be more aware of it. You know, what's I don't know, but you know, like, uh, like, like Dorian Yates is always saying now, he says, you know, nobody wants to put in the work. So you're not going to make the gains. You have to put in the work. That's the first thing. So if it takes reading a book or having a trainer to make you do the work at the level that you should be to, you know, get your body to change, then 
then do it. That's, that's what it takes. I don't know. Some people don't have the self-motivation that we do. You know, we oh, always well. talk about that. They're self-motivated. Oh, 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 well, too bad for them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So let's move on. Uh, let's see. Aaron Moroskis. All right. He, he says, uh, should minimalistic training only focus on days per the week or can it be by time? For example, one to two days for an hour each or four to five days at 15 to 30 minutes. I think we covered this before. Um, it's whatever. I'm so confused. Well, it's. He's saying, it was, can, you split up, can you split up a long workout on a Sunday to through the sure. week? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like the one yes. guy said, can I do it every day? Just a yes. few minutes a day. Yeah. I'll do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Here's one we kind of just covered too. Scott McKenzie says, how well does minimalistic training work for the average lifter? when every well-known trainer and scientist is pushing for volume trainer. Um, <laughs> the one thing Marty I know would say is, okay, what world records have they ever completed? Well, right? now, I, uh, yeah, my, my Irish father used to have a saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Mm. So that's probably the answer to that individual yeah. so it's like i mean i you know yeah okay good great you know i can give examples i can talk till i'm blue in the face but when they start talking about you know i'm holding my my hands up in air quotes experts you can't trump unnamed experts right no matter who you bring up i can bring up ed Cohn, i can bring up crypto roscoe i can bring up you know who it wouldn't matter because these unknown experts trump because they are they own the settled science. I think we started the show with talking about settled science, didn't we? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. This is another, this is an old, uh, old wine, new bottle, settled science. This is another version of that. The settled science says this stuff doesn't work. And it's like, well, what are you going to believe? Uh, uh, you, you know, your, your, your settled science or your lying eyes. Yeah. But he says, um, does it work for average lifters? Well, you, all your guys are, are average. Of course it does. Average guys, computer guys, you That's know, right. working guys, and they get phenomenal results. So yes, it does work for everybody. Mm. I would say especially average guys. Yes, exactly. It's perfect for the average guy. Yeah. All right. So that's Scott McKenzie. Let's see. Greg Donald. Um when you reach your predetermined rep with your predetermined weight for that week, yeah. should you exceed the reps if you have more in the tank or stop at the predetermined number? Jim. Yeah, that's just what I was talking about. You I were mean, just yeah. talking about that, yeah. Stick to yeah. the plan. Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. No matter what, stick to the plan. I mean, if you have a coach who says, you know what? I didn't like that, you know, something that you did right there. And I know you got another set in you. Let's, let's see how this look, you know, let's do that. Or let's go down and wait. But if you have a program that you need to stick to that, that is written out for you, my thing is stick to the program. The guys who I've trained, it's always guys uh, who, who say, you know, I just felt good today. So I, I, said, I don't care how good you feel. It doesn't matter. Well, in the, in the 11 reps that they got this week, causes them to only get four reps next week. Marty, where do you go from there? That's what I always say. Where do you go? Now you've hit this, 
this max attempt that you because you felt good. Now where do we go? You just now, peaked out. Yeah, you just peaked. So where do we go? I have a plan for you. Trust the plan. Trust the process. Yeah. Trust Jim Steele. That's it. He knows his <laughs> stuff. So speaking of Jim Steele, this one came off of uh, your Instagram. You know a guy named Steven? I think you were having some beef conversation with him. Where to get beef at? He's a Maryland boy. Yep. Yeah. So he's asking about the arch on the bench press. Why is it important? How many how many times have we? Oh, so he's got two questions. So why do we use an arch on the bench press? Why is it important? Because we because we, we tell you to. It shortens the range of motion. Turns a flat bench into a decline. Decline is better leverage. Right. Leverage improves. Exactly. All right. So that one's pretty simple. Now there's there's different levels of, I, I guess, it dip, does the amount of arch you use just depend on how flexible you are? Yep. I mean, how does that work? You no. hit it. You just said it. Was that it? Okay. Tough one, right. big guys. Tough one, really big, thick. I got a, yeah. I got a guy who arches. I mean, it is beautiful, beautiful. I mean, he looks like, I haven't seen an arch like that since I saw the Europeans in the 1990s. Uh, and this guy uh, is amazing. And he cuts his rep stroke down. He, this guy is pushing, it's 180 pounds. He's pushing the bar maybe, I don't know, eight inches. You know who would be great at that? Phil Scarito. His art. Uh, this guy's better. Um, uh, again, his name is Luke. And we'll, we'll get some video of Luke benching. Ben, he's a, and he's a three, you know, lifetime drug-free guy benching three. 340 at, you know, 175 pounds. Yeah. What was the second you'll part? You'll see some, uh, you'll see some guys that have extreme arches. You'll really see some girls that have extreme yeah, arches. That's right. Just got arches like that. Yeah. All right. So the other question is how many times per week should we train the neck with a neck harness? Would that be once a week? Would it be more? Uh, I don't ever train the neck. Well, if I was playing football, if I was doing MMA or something like that, or Muay Thai, clinching, <laughs> then I would train it two or three days a week. But if you're doing shrugs, if you're doing uh, heavy deads, you know, even the squat, even all oh. that stuff really works your neck. Yeah, um, clean. Yeah, clean. You have to be you have to be careful about the neck because if you reach out too far with that neck harness, I mean, you got to be in tight. Shrug your shoulders. Just think about chin chin coming down and that's it because after that now you're taking a chance of blowing a disc yeah um i'd rather get it from right. the, the major lifts the big lifts but you know uh, and 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 i used to love to use the neck harness we used to do this a lot years and years ago i haven't used one in years but is that something you want to do that's not something you really want to max out the weight on right you want to try i haven't seen I, like haven't, I haven't i haven't seen a person use a neck harness in 40 years <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. No, we used to in, in football. We do it in wrestling. Hey, we sell a lot of those things. A lot. There's a lot of people training their I'm, necks out I'm there just, with a neck harness. I'm just telling you, yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anybody training that in 40 years. I haven't seen that. Cassie was the last guy I saw train his neck. I, for football, I think uh, Stephen, we trained it twice a week. I have football because remember they're wearing that helmet too, man. I mean that's neck work itself. Yeah. You got to be careful with it though. All right. Um, let's see who wrote this question. Let's see. Okay. So I don't know who asked this one, but, um, what equipment do I really need? So I think that basically depends on your goals, budget, space, 
stuff like that. I mean, most of the time, stuff that we're talking about doing, I mean, basically you just need a, a good rack, like a even a half rack, a good adjustable bench, power bar, some plates, maybe a couple mats for uh, deadlifting. But boy, if you have that, you could do a lot. Um, well, I would say if you had a barbell, start with a barbell. Yeah, the most basic would be to have a barbell because there's so much you can do with that. Anyway. And every, everything will grow from that. If I told you guys this or not, but they're, they're, you know, they have a 212 Mr. Olympia now and then 212 and above and all that. The 212 guy this year, because of this COVID thing, couldn't go to his regular gym. So he, he got a hole in the wall gym that had zero cables, zero machines except a leg press and a Smith machine. Uh, and he won the Olympic. He put on slabs and, and he said, here's the deal, man. I was forced to do the things that yep. made me so uncomfortable. Yep. You know what? I'm in the same exact position and yeah. I've been forced to do things in my backyard with yeah. very minimal equipment yeah. that I never, and I've made great gains. You, you guys are forced to train like I have been doing for the past 40 years. Yeah. And you, you know what? My joints feel great. I don't have yeah. any more hip pain because I'm yeah. not doing the leg press. That's right. You're, yeah. you're, 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 we're forced into minimalism because all of a sudden everybody's, they don't have the expensive resistance machines. They don't have the cardio bikes. So they've got to use their legs. They've got to run. They've got to walk. They've got to move. They've got to locomote. They've got to go back to the compound multi-joint movements or the, the quick movements, the overhead movements. And this is all good. It's forcing people back to the future. Yeah. Yeah. I was really excited when I heard it too. It was a podcast. Sean Clarita is the kid's name. And, and uh, of course he's a Jersey kid. And he was just like, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. I had to do the, the, the sprung squats. I had to do the back yeah. squat. I had to do the heavy shrugs and all this Ooh. stuff that he hadn't done in forever yeah, forever he looks they're calling him a miniature coleman now that's how much muscle he's put on i'll send wow. you the podcast he must be four feet 11 he is he's little but <laughs> you can't believe it that he was 12th or something last year yeah well, yeah. That, that you know you know how i think it really helped me is i'm doing a lot more reps than i did because i don't have the piles and piles of plates and and the, the heavy, heavy dumbbells and stuff like that. So I'm forced to really use a grind speed, you know, adjust my, my, my rep speed and really grind it out, make lightweights heavy. And because of the burn and the better form that I'm using and all that, it's, it's more, it's been more of a power, I mean, a, a bodybuilding approach for me, which is fine. Um, and I've put on some, some good size from it. So yeah, oh, that's forced. Good. That's, that's, that's scary. It's scary. Yeah, you are. You put on good size. Oh my god! I think okay. I have. Yeah, I need to send you a picture. All right. Well. All right. Well, you're on the. You think you think you're on the other side of three hundred? No, but uh, you know, I haven't weighed myself. But last time I did, I was like two ninety three. I might be yeah. somewhere around there. And I'm eating, and I'm getting leaner, and I'm eating better, and I don't know. I'm just kind of in a good place right now with minimal stuff. Yeah, you could be going through male menopause too. <laughs> well, that was my next guest. Uh, all right, let's see. 
I think that's about it. I mean, what else, what else can we say about minimalism? I think we've volumized minimalism. Yeah. <laughs> we've said the maximum on minimalism. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. What, uh, all right. So, We'll end it with this. Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at uh, ironcompany.com. We, we put a new one up every week. He's got all kinds of good stuff uh, on resistance training, cardio training, brain drain, nutrition. It's all up there. We've got a lot of good stuff from Jim Steele up there too. So check that out. Go to articles at the top. Um, the latest one from Jim is Grab and Go busting through the the workout confusion so that one's been up for a few weeks the one you just submitted jim talk about that one i haven't edited that or anything Um, so you know when i was first starting off i didn't have any coaching so i was forced to experiment a lot and um so i made a lot of mistakes but through these mistakes i've bet became a better coach because now i knew what not to do and so what what it's about is shortcuts to success just little things yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, I, the one example I use is I always wanted big arms. So I thought, oh, well, Arnold's cheat curling. So I do 175 on my cheat curls. And all I got was a bad case of tendonitis and tiny little arms. When I decided, <laughs> decided to, get to, to finally build my biceps, because now I was going on stage. Um, I watched a video with Stan Efforting, who's a powerlifting slash bodybuilder. And he was using 35 pound dumbbells and he are, you know, he has 20 inch arms and he's like, any more than this, my shoulder gets involved. My forearms pump up too fast. And he was squeezing and going slow and all that. And so that was one of the things I learned that the biceps are a small muscle. You don't need to do all this crazy heavy lifting. You need to slow it down and, and focus on the muscle. So that was one of the things, shortcuts that I've learned, right. To get bigger and stronger. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, for smaller muscles like that, you just don't need to do a whole lot of work for them either. I think you kind of, sometimes you train the muscle by size. If it's a bigger muscle, sometimes you do a few more extra sets or different exercises or whatever. So yeah, it's funny the stuff that we learn from the time that uh, we start till now. And you, you guys have been, you know, and still are elite coaches and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, the, the stuff that uh, when I first started, you know, speaking of minimalism, I remember training every single day, I think probably six days a week and going, mm-hmm. oh, my God, how am I going to have a life and keep this training up? <laughs> you know, how do I keep doing this? How am I going to get married one day <laughs> on, this stu- <laughs> on this stupid schedule? You need a weeder contract. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway. So yeah, Jim's got a lot of good stuff that's uh, that's going up once a month there. And you also have a website, bassbarbell.com, B-A-S barbell or boss. You, you pronounce it boss, right? Yeah, like boss rootin'. That's who it's named. Boss rootin'. Yeah, bossbarbell.com. And you've got all kinds of stuff going on over there. If you need equipment, I know a lot of equipment is hard to come by now. Check out ironcompany.com. We're fully stocked on bumper plates. Um, urethane Olympic plates, bars, Olympic bars, power bars. We got tons of kettlebells coming in. Um, if your gym or your residence or whatever needs um, sanitizing wipes, we got tons and tons of those things coming in. So anything you guys need, flooring, cardio, anything, check out ironcompany.com. And finally, 
if you're seeking radical physical transformation, uh, Marty and Jim can give that to you here in the new year, 2021. I can't believe that. Happy new year. And um, if you'd like to contact them, just email Marty at ironcompany.com or Jim at ironcompany.com. That's it. And that's it. All right, boys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was great. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye.